How do you operate a restaurant when some of your customers are literally running past your location? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, executive editor of Restaurant Business Magazine, and this week's edition of A Deeper Dive features Steve Johnson, the CEO of HMS Host, the massive operator of restaurants inside airports and travel centers. Johnson talks about how the company balances the need of different airport customers, from leisurely flyers to travelers hurrying to catch their next flight. He also talks about how restaurants balance sudden rushes followed by lengthy lulls, along with labor needs and demands for technology, including a surprising addition to airports' restaurants' digital capabilities. And later in the podcast, I talk about the difference between a pair of recent bankruptcy filings. But first, here is Steve Johnson. Okay, I am here with Steve Johnson. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, before we get into some of the details about uh, airport concessions and airport uh, restaurant trends, why don't you talk uh, uh, to us a little bit about uh, HMS Host and how many locations you have and, and what you guys do? So HMS Host is, uh, we, we feed travelers, I think is probably the easiest way to say it. And we feed travelers who are um, in airports. We feed travelers who are in their cars. Uh, we feed travelers who are traveling on trains. So it's really, you know, people who are on the go. We're, we're, the, we're the ones who are there to really make sure they have something to eat and, and hopefully enjoy the experience. Um, we are in um, 80 travel plazas, 120 airports. Um, we operate over 300 different brands uh, across the, the, the world and uh, do about $3.5 billion in sales. So it's a it's a large company that really a lot of people I think don't know about, but uh, they, we we certainly feed a lot of people. We were told by one magazine that we showed up on more expense reports than any other company in the world. So <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know all the hotel companies, all those you think of them, but it's really the HMS host name that that shows up on the back of the receipt and gets put on the expense report. Right, I think it's uh, um, often overlooked, but you have you have to be one of the biggest restaurant operators um, in the country. Just, yes. uh, you know, in general, um, because that, you know, 3.5 billion is a substantial amount of money. And there are not a whole lot of restaurant operators that uh, do more sales on, on an annual basis. No, no, it's it's a it's a fun business, a complicated business. But uh, one I think we're we're very, very adept at, uh, you know, we've been doing this mm -hmm. since 18, since 1897, believe it or not. Uh, we started mm -hmm. out on steamships and stagecoach lines and trains and, and actual trains. Uh, so. You know, while the name has changed through the years a couple of times, the company has existed since 1897, which is hard to believe since, you know, we really didn't start mm -hmm. feeding people on airplane on airplanes for the 1950s. Right. So we must have had to feed people on what stagecoaches or you got it, stagecoaches and steamships. And uh, Walt mm -hmm. Disney used to work for us, actually. He used to walk up and down and sell sandwiches and tobacco and newspapers on trains. Uh, he, by his right. own admission, he said he wasn't a very good employee, though. So it was uh, mm -hmm. it's 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 an interesting company in that regard. Right. I imagine, though, that back then they didn't really worry about getting uh, different types of restaurant brands on these trains or anything like that. I think it's probably a little different today. Very different so. today. Yeah, I think I think back then it was institutional feeding. And today it's really about trying to create an experience for our for our consumer so that, you know, whether they're. You know, depending on their need state, it's, you know, travelers are an interesting people uh, in that, you know, you could be traveling by yourself for business. And it's a very different journey for you than maybe, you know, six months later where you're traveling with your entire family and your need state's different. So 
we have to be there to really make sure that we take care of the different need states as the travelers go through the, the, the locations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So speaking of those need states, I mean, I view mm-hmm. the airport as almost a microcosm of restaurant trends. And as I've walked in the airport, really, the past 20 so years as a professional, I mean, I've noticed you, you, you just can't help but notice sort of different things in restaurant in, in the airports. And, and one of the things I've noticed, especially lately and, and is that you've really been, you've, you've got a lot more deals with sort of local, popular local concepts. That seems to be one trend, uh, today. Is that, is that a, a fairly recent trend or am I just, uh, just noticing it? It's, you know, depends on when you take a look at our entire history It's very recent. Um, but it's really probably been over the last eight years, I would say, when we really, when we started to transform airports and the push was to bring the feel and the taste of the city, uh, of each airport, you know, so that whether it be LA, you know, we, we had a little moniker that bring, let's bring Los Angeles into LAX. So it's really trying to bring that local flavor and feel. Not through just the food, but through the design and the materials and the procurement um, and the feel uh, so that when people come through and, they, you know, a great example probably is Phoenix, where a big percentage of your of your passengers are, are hubbing passengers, which means they never leave the airport. They're just going through the airport, catching the next their, their connecting flight and leaving. So the only opportunity for them to really feel and taste Phoenix is in the airport. So our focus was to try and gather the best restaurants in the valley and bring them into the airport. So when the consumer comes through, they can say, well, you know what? I haven't been to the Chelsea's, lo- you know, the Chelsea's kitchen location in-, in Scottsdale, but I've certainly been to the one in the airport. And it really has taken off from, from what the airports are wanting to see in their, in, in their local airports. So as we go into a new airport, whether it be New Orleans or Austin or Charlotte, Phoenix, Chicago, Salt Lake City, you name it, we've really tried to gather the best collection of what we think are the on-trend national brands, but really a, a really nice selection of the local brands so that they really get to taste what that, what that city is all about. Because, you know, we, we're a very diverse food culture in the United States. You know, the, Seattle, the, the food scene in Seattle is very different than the food scene in Austin, which is very different than New Orleans, which is very different than Boston. And, you know, you have to be adept at being able to, to work with the local brands and bring them in and make sure that you're representing that brand well so that when the consumer eats there, they get a great taste of what that brand is about. And hopefully it brings them back so they say, you know what, I'd love to visit Boston and eat in this restaurant on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it to me that I mean, as as again, as a traveler, you, it's it's something that is, you know, I mean, you do want to get sort of a feel of 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 uh, of local concepts, and and you know, it's better to me, you know, and I I love chains, obviously, as somebody that writes about them for a living, but at the same time, you also want to know what the what the what the what the hot thing is locally, and you can't always get into this, you know, you can't always get into the downtown areas or the retail establishments uh, to find them and so how how do you pick these local concepts and how do they come to you what where where do you find them well at hms host we have a a, a broad group of people and, and really what i say is that it's the, the my favorite job in the in the company is what we call our concept development folks and their job is to really go spend time in a city and and many times this will start two years before uh we we start to redevelop an airport and we'll go find what's on trend in the city 
um, we, we look very closely at who the customer is, who the passenger is. So, for instance, if if it's a, if it, you know, let's take Orlando as an example. Orlando is a very family-oriented uh, destination. Um, you know, they're going in to see Disney. There's not a lot of business travel. So your your selections have to be very different than, say, a, a Los Angeles, where you have a lot of business travel and you do have some leisure. Uh, but it's but Los Angeles is known for the glitz and the glamour and more of the high end restaurants. So it's it's really looking at each terminal, each airport, and understanding who the consumer is and and building the the restaurant portfolio for them. You know, so because if you have long a, a, a leisure pat, a consumer has a longer what we call dwell time. They come to the airport earlier because they're not as experienced. They want a little bit different experience than say a business traveler who's much more savvy and adept. And they, they fly through security and they want something quick and on the go. Um, so it's building your portfolio to match your consumer and then making sure that the, the portfolio itself uh, reflects the city you're in. So it's it, there's a lot of science that goes behind it, um, you know, with shorter dwell time, dwell, dwell times between flights. For instance, if, you know, let's, let's once again go back to Phoenix where you have a lot of connecting passengers. We try to do more quick service because they want high quality, but they want it fast because, you know, if you're if a Southwest passenger flying through, you only have about 35 to 40 minutes. So <laughs> I got to get off my plane. I got to grab something to eat. And I got to turn around and get on my next plane. So how do we, how do we get them that, that great meal, but in about 10 minutes? So it has to be a quick serve. But if you go to a place like Orlando where we have more sit down restaurants, it's really because they have more time. You know, Disney drops them off four hours ahead of time. It's an O and D, which is origination and destination consumer. So they're not hubbing. And so they got a little more time. So we have more sit down, more experiential. Um, and then if you go to places like Chicago, where it's massive amounts of people transferring, you need more, you need some QSR. You need to make sure that you have good food, but it has to be quick. You really have five, six, seven minutes to get people through that line because they are, they're, you know, running to their next plane. So. It's it it's a lot of fun. It's like but it's like solving a puzzle at each airport because each one is unique and a little bit different about what you need. And I think you see that as you travel across the mm -hmm. country right now. You'll see that they're all a little bit different. Right. Right. So it, it whether you go for, you know, a lot of, you know, more slower food type uh concepts versus QSRs versus you know, other other types really is going to depend on the type of passenger that's going through those airports. By the time, from the type of passenger mm -hmm. to um, some of the needs of the city, you know, there are some cities that that don't really have a big food culture. So, but there are a lot of national chains. So we'll we'll work with with more national chains in those locations. Um, but some have a very diverse food culture. So we want to make sure we represent that piece. Uh, but then also make sure that you know, for instance, we could take a really good sit down restaurant and we could actually turn it into a. a fast casual restaurant working very closely with that brand to make sure that we let's say we take their top 10 12 high speed items but we could we could make that into a, a quick service restaurant so that you may not get the full experience but you're getting the food um so I, I think that's one of our unique skills is we're able to take really these street side locations we take their expertise in preparation of food but then they take our expertise in how you design the kitchen how you design the restaurant itself for higher, for more speed and more throughput, because in an airport everything's time driven, you know. And on the street, you know, it's okay if your your food takes an extra five, six, eight minutes. Well, in an airplane, I mean, in an airport situation, five minutes is an eternity because you could miss your flight. 
So it really is about three throughput and speed. And once we, once we, you know, once we created the partnership with that brand and we trust each other, that's when you really start to see the relationships flourish. I think. Mm -hmm. So do you have to, do you have to change the menu or anything like that to, um, uh, you know, to speed up some of these, some of these products, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the preparation process, at all because of that need for speed? Sure. We, you know, a great example would be, um, if you're in a, a hub airport, you really can't serve, you know, products that may take 30 minutes from the time you order them to the time you serve them at the table, like you would have at a fine dining restaurant. So we'll go in and we'll, we'll work with them on, okay, everyone, everyone loves your restaurant, but we won't be able to do maybe these six items because they take too long, but the rest of the menu we can do. Right. So we, we really try to tailor the menu to what's happening within the airport and happening with, with the consumer as they're, as they're coming through. You know, so we work very closely with each brand to make sure that they're successful. Also, the kitchens are much smaller. So, you know, our average kitchen may be a quarter of the size of what's happening on the street. So you don't have the, the prep space. You don't have the storage space. So we work closely with them to really curate their menu to make sure that we're representing it correctly. But that, that you actually have the ability to, 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 to really do the product justice, uh, in that small of a space. Mm -hmm. That's pretty important. I mean, I think that a lot of these in, in yeah. the chain, in, you know, in the chain world or, well, frankly, in, in, in any restaurant, uh, branded restaurant at all, it, it, if in many cases the airport's sort of their first impression of that brand. Um, maybe not a chain, but I mean, that could be the first impression of a brand. And if it's, if that impression is a bad one, that's kind of a bad, uh, sale for the, for the restaurant. So there seems to be some pressure on, on you guys, not just to produce the food quickly, but to get it in, in a manner that's consistent enough to, to meet the brand promise that they want. Yeah. At HMS host, I would say that, that we start first with quality. And our job is to really make sure that when we, when, when we're going to represent the brand, when they've trusted us with really their life's work in some cases, especially some of these local brands, our job is to make sure that we not only do as well as they do on the street, our focus is to do better than they do on the street so that they can be proud, that it can be a marketing opportunity for them, that people will come back. So it's a, it's a big push for us. I mean, our culinary group, um, spends, I mean, I can't imagine the hours that they spend just on a single brand, making sure that we have it down, that the, that the execution's perfect. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, it's, it's great. It's true for local brands, but it's also true for national brands. I would say that, you know, our Shake Shacks, our service and our quality is, is, is good or better than they have on the street today. You know, so we really, really focus on that side of the business because it is their life's work and we are representing them. I mean, you know, our largest partner is Starbucks, probably the most famous brand in the world, right? And they trust us with that name. They trust us to represent them every day out there like it's a corporate store, uh, but it's but it's HMS host operating it. Mm -hmm. How big is Starbucks at airport? It's pretty big. I would say that it's, you know, it's a, you know, a big chunk of the, the coffee sales out there. Uh, it's probably in the 50% range, but, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's, it is the customer preferred brand. We have others. Um, but, but Starbucks is really the one that the consumer wants. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that they, when, when, you know, it's the, we talk to airports all the time and 
one of the first questions we, you know, when the, the that a consumer asks when they come in is where's the bathroom? Well, that's actually number two. For the most often asked question is where's the Starbucks? So it's uh, it's always a, a nice part for us to be there with them. But it's mm-hmm. a great brand for us. Great partner. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. We've been partner. I mean, we found them in 90, 1997. So that's how long we've been partnering oh. with Starbucks. And we were, we were the lead development piece of Starbucks in a lot of these cities. We'd put them in the airport first and they would develop the city behind us. Um, now, do you have operating partners at all, um, or do you traditionally operate most of your restaurants? I mean, I know you have some operating partners that make. Well, we operate all of our restaurants. We have uh, local ACDB partners, which is a unique thing to airports where you have a minority or local business um, because airports are run by cities, counties, and states, which are government entities. There's usually a what's called an ACDB minority goal. And, you know, so those are our partners. But in reality, we are the operator of, of our, all of our restaurants, along with our ACDB partners. Mm-hmm. So um, now you've had some you just recently did it, had a deal with with uh, uh, with Panera Bread. You've uh, that's a, a pretty nice deal for you guys, isn't it? We're excited to have Panera as a partner, I think. You know, it's it's really on trend for what consumers are wanting today because you've got the digital uh, ordering system, which is really where people are trying to get, you know, how can you get faster throughput? How can you get more people uh, through the line? Because once again, it's about time and it's and it's healthy and it's, you know, it's sustainably sourced. It's all of the things that consumers are asking for in food today in airports. Um, you know, it's it's no longer just about I need to grab a quick burger. It's about making sure I really go find, you know, you know, they like to eat like they eat outside of an airport. It needs to be healthy. It needs to be quick. It needs to uh, make them feel good because they've got a long journey in front of them. So Panera, Panera really hits all the marks for us. And so we're excited to really put them out there in the airports. I think the airport community is very excited. We've heard from a lot of the cities that we work with that they can't wait to get a Panera in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, um, uh, uh, now, do you usually have, do you usually, uh, is th- those how you, your deals do? Cause I know you've done a, a few others recently with brands. Pret-a-Manger is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. do you have, uh, I mean, do you traditionally do like such broad, um, deals with, with, with these brands or, or sometimes a one-off based on the restaurant or on the airport? It depends on the airport, but I would say, you know, your national brands like Starbucks, like Panera, like Shake Shack, Pret, um, these are these, you know, because they're such large and well-known brands, they they work in just about every community. Um, but then there's, of course, all the local brands, and that that really is just going to work in that local, you know, whether it be in Austin, you know, where we have Twenty Four Diner or LAX, we have um, Point the Way Cafe or you know Wolfgang Puck, who's big, and you know we do have Wolfgang in other cities as well, um, Boston, the Boston public market, so. These are all brands that really will probably just work in the one or two cities where we have them. But the Pretz and the Paneras and obviously Starbucks and Shake Shack could could work in just about every location. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I want to ask you um, about technology. Um, we're starting to mm-hmm. see some concessionaires uh, start to get into delivery. Um, and... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is this something that uh, you foresee a lot more of inside of, of, of airports? Uh, I'm, I'm really curious about that. I think we're, we're going to follow what's happening out on the street. I think, you know, when you look at where we're headed as a HMS host is headed as an organization, you know, we're, we're, we're implementing kiosk ordering in a lot of our QSR locations because it, it really does help with throughput. It helps with average check. Um, you know, it gives the consumer choice because that's one of the things they like in an airport. Um, so that's really great for our QSRs. But in a sit-down restaurant, you know, we have tabletop ordering. We have um, what's called a QR code where you can actually, you know, hover your phone over a QR code on the table where your menu, come, I mean, the menu will come up and you can actually pay at the table. So your that pain point of getting out of the restaurant and paying goes away. Um, we're working with Starbucks on mobile order and pay. We have it in nine locations today. And then we are working with a lot of the third parties, the Grubhubs and the, and the airport Sherpa, where you can order through their app and actually the food will be delivered to your gate. So, you know, my core belief and HMS host core belief is that technology is really an enhancement to hospitality. It's not a replacement. And the, 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 the goal that we continue to push is giving the consumer choice. So if I'm in a if I'm in a QSR mode and I'm in a hurry, I can use the kiosk. If I'm sitting down at a restaurant and I need to go, I can pay at the table or I can use the kiosk ordering system. Or I can get full hospitality and do none of those things. Um, so I think that giving the consumer the choice is really what we're about and making sure that the technology is right for the for the type of, of food that we're delivering. Because QSR is very different than sitting down and, and enjoying a nice meal. Um, so the technology needs to be a little bit different, you know, in some food, you know, I, I would say that, you know, in some of these third party operators, the airport Sherpas, they're, they're doing a good job of connecting us with the right brands and the consumer and then delivering it to them, to their gate. Cause some of those, some of the gate huggers just quite frankly, don't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see where that would work. If you're, you know, certainly if, especially if you have a connection, you can order the food, maybe while mm-hmm. you're sitting on the plane and then have it delivered to your gate. So you can have it, uh, you know, on, on your connecting flight or, um, you know, something like that. Or if you're trying to get work done, which is something I do on occasion, then you can basically right. skip the food searching and you can just look on your phone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely see yeah, where it can have a benefit. Yeah, I think it's going to work well with the the savvy travelers, the people who travel a lot, who know their way around an airport, who know what their connection looks like. It's not, you know, the average traveler only goes travels one and a half times a year. So they're really not that used to the airport environment. But someone like you or me who's in, you know, or the, the, all the road warriors out there, they know exactly where they're going and how to get there and what, you know, some cases, if they make the flight every week, they know exactly what gates they're going to go out of. So it's going to work well for them. Your, your average traveler, your, your, your leisure traveler, I would think not quite as savvy. And they're, they're a little concerned about time. Uh, it takes them a little bit longer to get through security, all the things that happen with them. So I don't know that they will be as early adopting adopters as the business traveler will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always thought one of the, th- I think that, 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 um, airports tend to be, almost early adopters or airport concessions tend to be early adopters of many technologies. Cause you see the, the, the kiosk, the tablet ordering, I mean, a lot of times you saw them first in airports. Um, it seems to me in part because of the, the need for, for sort of that speed of service at times. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and especially with the, the ability to pay your check right away, it does kind of eliminate the amount of time you need to sit down and have a meal. And it seems like that that sort of pushed you guys 
towards a more, you know, technologically savvy way of operating, I think, than your traditional restaurant. Yeah, I think we have to be on the cutting edge of this. I mean, in the end, it's, it is about time. And, you know, the average consumer only has, like I said, about 35 minutes between connecting flights. And when you look at what's happening today with airlines, which is a, a fascinating new, they have a new model that's out there and it's called banking. And banking is really bunching all the flights up together all at once so that they come in and go out uh, all within about a 35 to 40 minute period. And then you'll have real big lulls in their schedule. Well, what that's done to us is it's really put a lot of pressure to make sure that we can take care of as many consumers as we can during that 40 minute period. So it, it's about finding the new technologies, getting them through the line faster, making sure that the food is, is of the highest quality as they move through the line. So it's a, it's, it's a great challenge for us to have. So, you know, we, we're constantly testing and trying and, and, you know, we are a good incubator, I think, for what's happening out on the street because then they'll, they'll follow us. Uh, sooner or later, because they'll they'll need the same thing. Mm-hmm. Two questions along those lines: when when you talk about banking, that has to be first off, that has to be frustrating <laughs> if you're an employee there because you get all your business at once and then you sit around for a long time. I mean, do you have to have your employees pretty well trained? Don't you? I mean, that that really has to put some pressure on your managers. You know, I, I think the unique individual loves working in the airport. They love the speed and the excitement about it all. And at HMS Host, I think we do a good job of, of finding the right people and training them to make sure that they understand that, you know, during the lulls, it's not like they're just sitting around. They're actually getting ready for the next bank that's going to come through in the next 35 or 40 minutes. So you're restocking, you're resetting, the, the restaurant's getting set back up, the kitchen's taking a breather. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's got a natural rhythm to it. You know, we're, we're so different from a street side restaurant that really has a traditional breakfast, lunch and dinner day part. And that we really can be just as busy at 7 a.m., um, you know, in a bar because people are, 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 you know, connecting from somewhere far away, right? And they're drinking Bloody Marys because it's 5 in the afternoon for them. Um, so it's a, you know, I would say our, our employees are used to it. Um, we, have a, we have a great group of folks out there, long tenured. They, they love the, the environment. Um, but, you know, they are working. I and mean, we're 365. 365 days a year, many times it's 14 to 16, in some cases, 24 hours. So very different environment for our people. But, but I think that it gets in their blood and they love, they love the speed and they love kind of the energy of, of working in an airport. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's uh, continue on the list of lines to talk a little bit about labor because that's mm-hmm. uh, something that I think anybody, any operator listening to this can kind of relate to. And it seems to be, I mean, how, 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 uh, is that going for you guys? I mean, do you, are you feeling the labor shortage like uh, everybody else and how are you able to fill positions? Yeah. I think like, like everyone else, we're finding the, the same issues. I, you know, we, you know, unemployment is, is at a, a historic low. Um, you know, our turnover is not quite as high as the street. Part of it is because I think that for, for a long time, we've, we have a different compensation package and in many cases it's higher than the street. Uh, we're 55% union. Um, so, you know, that comes with benefits and all the things that go along with that. So, you know, we have a lot of long tenured associates who don't tend to just jump for, you know, extra like you do, like they do on the street anyway. So, um, we're feeling the the pressure, but, you know, I think we we're managing through it pretty well right now. Um, mm-hmm. now when you, when you talk about this banking, 
Do you you guys have a pretty good sense on a day to day basis when these flights are coming in? I imagine you have to know the the schedules and so you can prepare staff and and that sort of thing. Sure, we we work very closely with the airports, uh, with our airport partners, with the airline partners to understand you know the, what's going to happen, and, and they're relatively predictable by season. So you know they'll have a spring season, a fall, summer, winter. And they set their schedules. And because our guys and, and girls who are, who are running our locations, they really have a great relationship with the, the local airline folks. They'll know if there's delays. Um, they'll know if, if, you know, they've got something unusual happening so that we're ready and, and, and staffed up. So it's, um, you know, we're rarely surprised. Now, if a thunderstorm comes through and an airport shuts down, then all hands on deck. You'll see our mm-hmm. management people out. You'll see everybody out there making sure that we're serving as many people as we can. But we're a little unique. I mean, many restaurants, they set their closing time at 11. Well, we don't. I mean, if if you've got a flight delay, we're open. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the, the customer needs something to eat. And there's many cases where the, whether it be a hurricane or, you know, major severe weather where our people stay, you know, they we get them hotel rooms and they'll, they'll stay at that airport serving 24 hours because – passengers are stranded there so it's you know it's not only a business it's also a service in those in those situations sir this was uh very uh very interesting and uh, i really appreciate you joining us on the podcast this week absolutely it's my pleasure last week perkins and marie calendars and ipic entertainment both filed for bankruptcy protection on the same day both companies had a lot of debt and hoped to use the process to engineer a sale But they are very different companies and very different situations. Perkins Marie Calendars is a legacy family dining concept that's been around forever. iPick Entertainment is a new type of entertainment destination that offers both restaurants and movie theaters. Perkins closed locations. iPick did not. But both suffered from sales challenges in recent years that put their financial standing into question. And even though both concepts have seen same-store sales growth this year, it hasn't been enough to lift them out of their financial problems. Restaurants need a lot of capital to expand. That frequently requires debt. Too much debt, however, can be a major problem, as IPIC found out. But there is a difference between debt for expansion and debt for a buyout, which was the case at Perkins, which filed for bankruptcy protection for a second time, the last one being in 2011. Burdening legacy chains with a lot of leverage makes them vulnerable to sales problems and leaves them without the ability to make investments that could build sales down the line. As a result... The company has to close locations and find itself a buyer. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which, as always, was edited by Christine Cawthon. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. Contributors to this podcast include... Peter Romeo, Sarah Rushworth, and Heather Lally. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You can always find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, the executive editor of Restaurant Business Magazine, your host and the podcast producer. Thank you for listening. <laughs>